Good morning. Our God is faithful. Amen? Look at somebody and tell them God is faithful. Look at somebody and say, God is faithful. I've got three sermons churning in my mind. One that I prepared two weeks ago, and then I was going to preach it again next week, last week, and Brad shared. Didn't he do a great job last week? Didn't he do awesome? He did. He did phenomenal, and uh, I, I enjoyed hearing his passion talking about compassion. And uh, so I had a sermon last week that I was going to share. Then I prepared one this week, and 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 then as we were worshiping this morning, the phrase and the verse that came to my mind, and and Pastor Winona and I have been talking about it this week. We were talking about Christmas. I love Christmas. I love Christmas time. And. Uh, one of the verses that, that comes out of the, the passage in Luke is the verse in Luke one thirty seven, where it says, For with God, nothing is impossible. I had about four of you. For with God, nothing is impossible. Sometimes I think we... Um, Daryl, would you mind grabbing that for me? I've got a I've got a funny hip, and uh, every once in a while it acts up. So I might sit down on the job today. Go ahead. Okay. Well, thank you, Daryl. I appreciate you. This man is an amazing man of God. You, you want to get a handshake? Get a handshake from Daryl. I'd like to, to look in our Bibles. Uh, if we could turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 9. I want to take a few minutes this morning. And I want to I explore and I want to see how great God is. This sermon is, is about the birth of Christ. And this passage is about 700 plus years before Jesus was born. So it wasn't that it was written the week before he was born. 700 years before he was born. Over 700 years before he was born. God spoke through Isaiah. And when you study, you actually find out that there are hundreds, I think it's in the neighborhood of 300 plus prophetic pictures of Christ before his birth from the Old Testament. 
And the, the last 400 years before Christ are what they refer to as the silent years. So when you read the book of the Old Testament and you get to Malachi, there's, there's what they call a 400-year silence. So that means the prophetic, what you read in the Old Testament, is a minimum 400 years before Christ, speaking of Christ and speaking prophetically. In fact, the whole Bible is about Christ. It says, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And this is the Word. So when you read the Bible, you actually get a picture of Christ. When you read the Old Testament, what it does is it points to Christ. When I was in Bible school, they, they would say that it's what's in the Old Testament is concealed, or the New Testament is the old, the new is in the old concealed. So the New Testament, the picture of Christ is in the Old Testament concealed, and it, the old is revealed in the New Testament. In other words, it speaks of Christ. So every book of the Bible, every page of the Bible is speaking and pointing and giving a description of Christ. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the, the first five books which we refer to as the Pentateuch. Those pictures that you see of the children of Israel and the sacrifices, they are all pictures and pointing to Christ. Amazing, amazing pictures and descriptions of Christ. So I, I want to take a few minutes and I want to look in Isaiah chapter 9. And I'm going to read two verses, and then we're going to take a few moments and think about him. It's verses 6 and verse 7. So for a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness. From then on and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. This is a, a prophetic word that, that Isaiah has and he's speaking to a king called, his name was Ahaz. And the king was under a whole lot of pressure around him. And if you read chapter six and, or chapter seven, there's a little bit of the backstory. And, and Isaiah comes to him and he's talking to him about how the children of Israel were under oppression. And the king was the king of Judah. In that time, there was the king of Judah and then the king of Israel. Ten tribes of, of Israel, two tribes of Judah. And Isaiah comes to him, and he's speaking to him, and he's telling him there's going to be a sign. So the first thing I want to bring to your attention is the phrases, for a child will be born to us, and a son will be given. I find that interesting. It speaks of a child being born, speaks of humanity, and the son being given speaks of what comes from God. 
It's amazing how God is involved in every area of our life. God is involved in every area of your life. When you talk, what I I was sharing with Pastor Winona, and I'm going to try very hard to articulate this. As I shared it with her, she just looked at me and and with a glazed look on her face. So she said, you've got to work on it a bit. But I found this interesting how the child came and the child needed to be nurtured and grown and taught and trained. And there's things that God gives us in our lives that we have to nurture, train, and grow. But it also says that God gave a son. And that speaks of his uh, divinity or the supernatural in our lives. And there's also aspects of our lives where God will give us things. So I find it interesting. And sometimes he gives us the same thing one thing can be a word, and another time it's a matter of stewarding, as Pastor Daniel was sharing from that passage in Luke about stewarding the gift. You've got quite a little active one there. Yeah. <laughs> Something about a child in God's house. We watch a child, we protect a child. He says, A child will be born. And a son will be given. The government will rest on his shoulders. The government talks about his dominance. His dominance. What needs to be dominated in your life? Because it says... His dominance, the government, the the dominance will rest on his shoulder. There are things that we take on ourselves that we need God to actually take and give to him. Have you ever found that God does a better job of taking care of things than we do? God God has this amazing ability to take care of things that we just seem to, uh, as the expression goes, just dig a little deeper, and we dig a hole, and we just get deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And the majesty of Jesus is that he came to dominate or have dominance over those things that would rule you. He comes and he says, no, he'll rule them. He can rule and dominate those things in your life. I wrote down in my notes, I need to give God a chance to be God. I need need to give God a chance to be God. Let him rule your life. Let him rule those situations that cause you stress. 
It's, it's a funny game that, that we play, a game of control. Trust. A few weeks ago, we had our grandkids at our house, and I'm sitting on the chair, and all of a sudden, from the corner of my eye, one of my grandsons is in the air falling into me or jumping. And he stood on the ottoman, and he was about two feet away. And, I mean, he was coming at my knees, at my shoulder. He wasn't coming in for a soft landing. But he had this trust that he knew I was there. And he just knew right off the bat that that papa was going to grab him. The trust of a child. They've said, they've done studies with children in kindergarten. And they've asked the child in the kindergarten, do you think you're a genius? And they have found that just about every child in kindergarten considers themselves a genius. They, they've got all the confidence in the world. Then they checked on them two or three years later. And statistics said that it was down, say, 20 or 30%. By the time the child hit high school, it was in single digits percent considered themselves a genius. And it's amazing what happens is we turn our trust, and instead of trusting God, all of a sudden we now take those things around us and we allow those things to formulate our view of God. I think that's why Jesus says it's important to become like a child and to trust him. When it talks about dominance, Jesus wants to have total authority in your life. It's talking about him having authority in the world, but he also needs to have authority in our life. The government will rest on his shoulder. And then we get to some names, and I, I want to take a few minutes in the names. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful Counselor. Who here could use some advice? I, I had a funny situation this week. I was getting ready for bed, and I was talking with God, and I said, Lord, and I was meditating on this, and I said, can you give me some advice? And he said, sure. So I'm talking with him, and, and it's bedtime, and he says, well, David, take 10 minutes tomorrow morning and say nothing and just sit with me. He says, and I'll tell you how your day, what will happen through your day. Now, I'm crazy enough to believe that God knows what's going to happen to me today. Because he's not bound by a 12-hour or a 24-hour clock. He supersedes time. 
So I'm crazy enough to believe that he knows what will happen to me two minutes from now, 10 minutes from now, 24 hours from now. And so as I'm talking, I thought, hey, this is going to be kind of neat. I'm going to take 10 minutes with him in the morning, and he's going to give me some advice for the day. I got up the next morning, and I forgot. Anybody, have you ever had this great aspiration? And I forgot. And I didn't even think of it till about three-quarters of the way through the day. So then I, I said, Lord, can we do this again? The next day I got up, and I took ten minutes. And I didn't do, I, I didn't. I didn't have my phone. I, did. I just sat still. Ten minutes is a long time. Especially for me to be quiet. But you know that he spoke to me in that ten minutes? What I found in that little exercise is sometimes we can get so tied up and so busy in our life that we don't even give God a chance to be a part of it. And here he is, Jesus. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Advice Giver, Collaborator, one who will tell you things that need to be done. That's the name counselor. And then it says wonderful. And the word wonderful doesn't just mean wonderful. What it means is marvelous. Beyond what you could imagine. Jaw-dropping, speechless amazement. That's the name wonderful. We've taken the word wonderful and we've just watered it down to make it sound like it's really nice. It's better than really nice. It's one of those things that happens that people just go. They, they've interviewed hockey players. I'm, I'm a sports guy. Many of you know that. And they have interviewed hockey players and not just hockey players, most sports um, athletes, after they have won the championship, within a minute or two, like it's got to be very quick, but they will put the mic in front of them and say, can you describe what you're feeling? And usually the individual doesn't have words to say. And they just go, because of the wonder, the amazement, the I'm at the top and we've done it. I'm not sure we have enough wonder in our life. We're going to be putting a testimony wall up the back. And that testimony wall is going to be a wall where it says, this is wonderful, this is amazing, this is beyond what we even... A, a wonderful, it, it actually carries the word miraculous in it. And if you study the word miraculous, it means it cannot be done by natural laws. 
So what is it that you need advice on? And, and let's take a moment. Let's take a moment. What do you need advice on in your life, in your work, in your business, in your career, in your relationships, in your finances, in your arranging deals, in your managing something, in your coordinating something? What is it in your life that you need some advice on? that you've been racking your brain and you've been thinking and thinking and you've been going over and you can't seem to come up with an idea. Do you believe that Jesus can give you that idea? I was talking to, to a businessman years ago. He was one of the gentlemen. I, I worked with him for years. And he had to devise a system to move product across a lake and they couldn't do it the, the, the equipment they had and it was in a remote area and then one night he was sleeping and God gave him an idea he went to work that morning and he was an engineer and he engineered laid it all out and everything worked and he actually proceeded and he, he proceeded to show the company and say this is how we're going to do it and they all looked at it and wow that's amazing. Where did you come up with that? That's the kind of wisdom that I believe Jesus can give you and I. We need to let God have a chance to be God in our life. Who here needs some wisdom? Who here needs advice that would be like wonderful advice? His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. I've got another note in my, some of my notes. Lose control of your life to God. No, but you don't understand if I do that, I can't control what's going to happen. I know. No, you don't understand. If I do that, I'm going to look foolish. Because they're going to say, you should be doing this. And I'm going to say, no, I'm trusting God in this. I know. But I also know it says in Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not in your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make it to pass. He'll bring it to pass. He'll make it happen. The advice God has for you is better than any advice you could come up with yourself. So you think you're smart. God's smarter. And what's amazing is when he gives you that, he lets you collaborate. He lets you be a part of that decision. And by the way, 
when you get that advice and you talk to a coworker or a friend or a partner or a husband, a wife, and you share with them, make sure you give God the glory for what he gave you. Because in that moment, they'll just say, man, that's a great idea. And, and, and it's very easy in that moment just to forget God. Go, yeah, I got, I got that all by myself. <laughs> I came up with that all by myself. Take a moment and say, God gave me that. I asked God for it. What's funny is many people in the world are looking for supernatural experiences. We have the supernatural living in us. And I think sometimes the world is more open to our supernatural expression or way we describe what happens better than we are in this walls. <laughs> you don't think so? How many superheroes are out there right now? Avengers. They got a guy called Spider-Man. <laughs> Superman. Ant-Man. Wonder Woman. Why? Because they're all craving something supernatural, amazing, that goes beyond natural limits. Something that can't be described within our own frame, but they are prepared and they are willing to accept it. They accept a guy that goes green when he gets angry and gets big. They pay millions of dollars to produce that and for us to go and watch it. And we have a God who died on the cross, who rose from the dead, who gives us wisdom and power and understanding, and we don't use him. And he says, I'll be your wonderful counselor. That's my name. Wonderful counselor. Mighty God. What's interesting is, I, I, Winona and I were talking, and it's like, I can't describe God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and then God is one. And I use simple terms, but it's confusing. Here he says, Jesus is going to be called Mighty God. I thought he was the Son. He is so amazing. And the word mighty, I'm just trying to give you definitions to hopefully give you a greater uh, picture of Jesus at this time of year. What's amazing is Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit don't seem to have any complex about who calls who what, when, and how. So mighty is great power in authority. This is the child that was born in a manger that is born in your life. He's great and mighty. What you have inside of you is great and mighty. What you have inside of you that is growing because we are all growing and gaining and becoming more like Christ. We have not attained. Paul says, I'm laboring over you until Christ is formed in you. So there's a process of growing in Christ. 
And Paul, as he wrote, he, he was writing all those things, and then at the same time he says, yes, but there's also gifts that he's given. It's amazing how God, God just blows. We think human-wise, human, human wise, we often think linear thinking. This happens, then this happens, deductive reasoning, therefore this would happen. Therefore, And God says, no, you guys, I'm not bound by those things. I'm not bound by what you think. So you're looking at doing this, 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 and getting there. He says, I'm already there. I'm mighty. Who could use some mighty in your life? Authority. I think sometimes we need to get a little ridiculous with God. I don't mean uh, I should... Ridiculous... I, I, I like to step out on a branch, and I don't have the saw behind me cutting, I, and, and I have people around me supporting that branch, but I think we need to get a little ridiculous. Do we expect the mighty in happening in our lives? I, I got crazy faith. I've got crazy faith. I don't have a back door. With Christ, I'm all in. I am all in. So I am, I, I am expecting to see him showing great power. That's a proven warrior, powerful. There are things that happen, can happen in your life through Christ that are powerful things. When Christ came on the scene, he came on the scene and he raised the level of expectation of living. And he lived a life of supernatural in a natural way. He was supernaturally natural and naturally supernatural. He was mighty. You don't think so? He got off a boat one time and these guys come out and it doesn't say there was any advertising campaign. They came out and said, what are you doing here? You're here to torment us, son of God. He was mighty. He spoke to the wind. We can't even figure out the wind. Where it comes, where it's going. And he spoke to it and said, be still. And it was still. And the people around him, those that were close to him, those that were breaking bread with him, go, where, what is this that he can speak to these things and they obey him? And that's the power that Jesus has. And when you accept him into your life, that is the power that lives inside of you. Now, I'm not saying we all walk outside because somebody might ask for snow and another person might ask for sunshine. So I'm not saying, but the storms in your life. The storms happening in your life, you can speak to them by the power of Christ in you and they will listen and obey and hear your voice. Because Jesus, his name is mighty. His name is God, supernatural, strong. It's interesting, in the ancient days, 
they would try to describe the gods, and I would say that with a lowercase g. And if they could describe and give their gods a name that gave them power or it gave them ability to try and manipulate that god, that deity. So god of thunder, they knew how to manipulate that. They could not give God a name. His name is so broad. And what would happen is God in the Old Testament would come and he'd reveal himself in one situation. They give it a name, but then he would reveal himself in another way and they give him another name. And he'd reveal himself in another way and they give him another name. The Jewish people, in fact, were so revered on the name God, they would not spell it, and in, in even in today's world, they don't spell it G-O-D, they spell it G dash. Because they are so reverent and in awe of his name. He's mighty God. In 2 Chronicles 16 verse 9, the prophet is talking to the king and he says, The eyes of the Lord look to and fro from those who he can show himself mighty or strong on their behalf. You read that passage. The king at that time previously had come to God and said, would you help us? And he defeated an army. And then he came under siege by another army. And he had defeated the Ethiopian army, and he had, a, he had an army of, of maybe half a million, and the Ethiopians were over a million. And God showed himself strong and mighty, and that king defeated the Ethiopian army. Then he gets under siege from his neighboring uh, Israel and another nation, and he goes and he makes a pact with another king. He, he brings him money. And he says, listen, I want to bribe you. You Right now you're on their side, but I'm going to give you money so you'll be on my side and you'll defeat them. And, and God speaks through the prophet and he says, listen, you didn't trust me. I showed you this. We did this. You come across it again. I can do that. He says, in fact, I'm looking for people who I can be strong on their behalf. Can I ask you a question? I will anyways. What area of your life are you trying to do on your own strength? Where God says, I'd like to show myself mighty on your behalf. Because that's who Jesus is. That's who he is. We celebrate a little baby. And he's the king of kings. Now, I love Christmas. I love it. I, I, to me, it's like everybody tries to be nice at this time of year. Parking lots, you actually can drive and you don't get people waving fingers at you. Most of the time. But sometimes we don't allow God into our life and he says, I'm just looking for an opportunity to show off. I 
That's, that's what we celebrate at Christmas. We celebrate a God who is so infinitely higher and is amazing. And his interest is to come and get involved in your life and in my life to show himself mighty on our behalf. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing people coming to church on a Sunday and saying, you know what, this week they said it would never happen. And it happened. They said it could never work the way that we were trying to get it to work, and yet somehow all the dominoes fell into place and it happened. They, they said we could never do this, and, and we're doing it. That's God showing himself mighty on our behalf. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting or Eternal Father. Again, Jesus and Father. I can't figure that out. But that's God. Eternal is, is perpetual. Eternal has no ending. Have you ever sat down and tried to figure something out in an eternal perspective and it's like, okay, I just got to stop. Like mine's just going... I do. Every once in a while, I try to sit down and think of what eternity is going to look like. And it's like, okay, a million years from now, huh, I'll still be with him. Five million. I'm still going to be exploring. And, and it says that we will just keep on learning and growing. And, and, and when we get to heaven, it doesn't mean we're going to know. We're going to get a greater revelation of him. He has got so much to show us of who he is. It's going to take eternity, and eternity never ends. He's the eternal, everlasting, self-propagating. God wants to start birthing something in you, and you know what? He can do it because he's the guy. That, he, he's the guy. He's, he's the father, and he self-propagates. Father, what's amazing about the word father is it's the first letter in the Hebrew dictionary. The first thing is father. Alpha, ab. It speaks. What, what's interesting here is a father is the one that gets things started but then he says he's everlasting. So God wants to start something in us that will never end. Because he's the everlasting father. He wants to come and he wants to birth something in us that only the father can birth 
But then he says, I'm not going to leave it there because I'm not just the father that leaves or a father that shows up. He says, I'm the everlasting father, so I will start something. I will self-propagate. I will get it started. I'm the progenitor, progenitor of it, and I am the one that sustains it, and it will be forever. What does Jesus says say? He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. In Deuteronomy, when they're getting ready to take the promised land, God's the Father speaking to them and saying, listen guys, I'm here with you, and I'm never going to leave you. Hebrews, it says, look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Jesus is not interested just to show up once in a while. Jesus is interested in being in your life forever, starting something in you and completing it and being with you through every step of the way. That is the God that we serve. That is the God that came over 2,000 years ago in a, in a little manger. And they came and they worshipped him. And he was born a child, but he was also given as a son. My prayer as I'm preaching this is that each one of us would get a greater awe of God over the next week and a half that would last us forever. I am hoping and praying that you will take these words and meditate on who God is and get, I am just in so in awe of a creator who created us. Who knew I would make a mistake, who knew I would mess up, who knew that I wouldn't, it's, that I wouldn't, not always understand and that I wouldn't always even give him credit. But he says, David, I'm not going to leave you and I'm not going to forsake you. I'm here for you. I'm the author and I'm the finisher of your faith. I'm the almighty father. I'm the everlasting father and I'm going to be with you at the beginning and I'm going to be with you all the way through the end. There's no dependency problem with God. He is totally dependent. That's something we don't understand. We don't. You mean you guarantee that for a year? You mean you're going to be with me for two years? And he said, no, forever. He wants to be your best friend for the rest of your life. And then he wants to take you into eternity and say, let's just keep on having fun. The last phrase that he says is the Prince of Peace. The Prince is, is the representative of the king, an official, a champion, or a captain. Quite often in the scriptures, the Prince was connected and is connected and still is today to royalty. Someone who has the title prince 
is in the royal line. And this is amazing because it says he's going to be mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And Jesus doesn't have any issue. But the prince or the overseer of peace. As the music is playing, there's going to be peace flowing. I put a note in my notes this morning as I was looking at this. One of the words peace is the word shalom. In fact, that's the Hebrew word shalom. And that word doesn't just mean have a good day. That word speaks of blessing, peace, welfare, freedom from dispute, absence of war, safety. It means wholeness. Jesus brings a wholeness into your life. And as I'm speaking this, I want to release right now his wholeness over your life. I believe I have that authority as a father in this house, as a pastor, as a, as a man of God, as a, as a child of God. He's given me authority and I want to speak this right now over your life. When I was writing these notes, I saw gaps in people's lives. I saw periods of joy, of fun. And then I saw a gap of despair, of hurt, maybe anger, disappointment. Then I saw another space of joy. And, and to me, it was like it was on a table, and it was just, your life was in a frame. I'm just trying to describe to you what God gave me this morning. Because there's people here this morning that you've got gaps. You've got hurt. And what he wants to do is the Prince of Peace wants to pour as if it's pouring a liquid over this table and this thing that was there, but then there was a gap and then there was another good spot and then there was a gap and then there was a, a hollow here and a hollow there and he just wants to pour peace. And as he's doing that, and as I'm saying this right now, some of you are recognizing areas in your heart that have been hurt, disappointed, that you've been chasing after and you couldn't figure out, why do I always chase after this? Why do I always act like this? I thought I was okay. And this, what God's doing isn't to stir up hurt. What it is here is he's the balm of Gilead. He's, he wants to pour and he wants to fill that area. He's the prince of wholeness. He's not the prince of partiality. He's the prince of whole. And I'm asking the Holy Spirit right now just to pour over 
and to fill those things that maybe you can't understand, you can't explain. And the Holy Spirit's going to come and He's just pouring. And the Prince of Peace is filling up in that frame to the rim. He wants to be you to be at ease externally and internally. He wants soundness to be released over your life right now. He says, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. The last thing I want to say is at the end of verse 7, it says the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. God is so interested in your life that he says, I am committed to this and I want to see this in your life. Can I pray for you? If you just close your eyes for a moment. Father, would you just pour over us right now? Lord, as we come to celebrate this amazing time of year, I'm asking for everyone that hears my voice that we would get and gain a greater understanding of just how awesome you are. That we would experience the wonderful counselor. That we'd give you opportunity to give us advice. Lord, that we would see you as the mighty God, that we would see your might and your strength and your valor display in those things in our life where there is no way that we would see you make a way. Lord, that we would give you the opportunity to be the everlasting Father. The one who was, who is, and is to come. That will never leave us nor forsake us. That's the author and the finisher of our faith. Lord, and that we would give you those things in our life that are broken or incomplete or have voids in them and that the Prince of Peace would just flow over them and fill us with you. Those things that we are longing for that maybe we don't understand that drive behavior or attitudes or thoughts that you would come and that we would get an understanding of the Prince of Peace, the Prince of Wholeness, the Prince of Completeness in our life. We thank you for that, Father. May we walk in a greater awareness of the majesty of who you are. 
your precious name. And everybody said, Amen.